and welcome to your mindful hour. I'm your host, Melissa Marks. My guest today is the very wise and talented Jill Dearman. She is a published author, writing coach, and professor at NYU. We delve into both the creative process and the meditative process and how those worlds intersect. We chat about the idea of co-creating with the universe and what inspires great writing and really any creative pursuit. It was my honor to have her on today. Please join me in my conversation with Jill. Jill, welcome. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Melissa. I'm really excited to be here. Yay. Well, so (laughs) (laughs) little little backstory. You and I met 20 years ago and became Mm -hmm. friends when I was living in New York. And we recently got reacquainted again, and it's been so delightful to have, you back, <laughs> to have you back in my life on a more regular basis. And so full disclosure for everybody out there, Jill has taken on the, at times, very trying task of helping me with some writing that I'm doing. And, and I've learned that I have some really great ways and creative ways to procrastinate. And uh, so Jill's been really great. And uh, I've really benefited a lot already from your coaching. And uh, one of the things I think is really cool about your process is that you integrate meditation into your coaching, which obviously is right up my alley. So I really wanted to bring you on so we could discuss all of that. So again, thank you so much for being here. Welcome, Jill. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Yes. um, Well, it's been a pleasure reconnecting and and working with you. And um, uh, yeah, I think it speaks to uh, something that you and I seem to always come back to, which is everything is connected. Yes. Tell us about you, Jill. Oh, sure. Well, uh, I am an author and a writing coach and editor and uh, a part-time professor of writing at New York University in the liberal studies program. I guess um, I started my writing coach practice in about 2003. Uh, I'm a member of a really wonderful place called the Writer's Room in New York City. It's called an urban writer's colony. And basically, you know, folks uh, come in there to use uh, a a private uh, communal writing space. And um, I would find that when I would take a break, you know, go into the kitchen, get a cup of coffee, I would talk to other writers. And it really struck me that um, uh, every writer, whether someone completely new at this, someone uh, who'd had some things published, but was, you know, working a day job, uh, you know, not quite at the place they wanted to be yet in terms of their, you know, worldly writing success, or people who, um, you know, were, uh, you know, by worldly standards, you know, incredibly successful, award-winning, made a lot of money, published a lot of things. Everybody had the same issues, and they would come and kind of talk to me about these things. And uh, I do also have a little background in counseling. I uh, was an HIV counselor for many years and a hotline counselor in different capacities. So 
um, I think I'm a pretty good confidant and people would confide in me. And from that, I started doing some writing workshops, uh, working with groups that blossomed into me working with writers individually or as teams. So it's really something that I, I love to do. And at the same time, um, uh, as an author, I've tried to kind of put my money where my mouth is and also, you know, really uh, bring my writing practice uh, up to snuff. So I'm the author of a, a book for writers that was published by Penguin called Bang the Keys, Four Steps to a Lifelong Writing Practice. And I also had a novel published not too long ago called The Great Bravura. It's kind of a noir uh, tale set in 1940s New York City. And, um, and most recently, uh, I wrote a book on the history of feminism, very timely topic, uh, that's geared towards teenagers, uh, and that just came out in April. It's called uh, Feminism, the March Towards Equal Rights for Women. And as you know, I also am an astrologer. I have a, a couple of books called Queer Astrology for Women and Queer Astrology for Men that St. Martin's uh, put out uh, several years ago. So um, so all the time that I'm you know, coaching writers, uh, like most teachers know, uh, I end up learning a lot myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's no, um, you know, experience a writer goes through that I think I, I haven't experienced myself. So I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, in it with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you for that intro. So taking us back to those early days at the writer's room and the struggles that you heard from the writers and you yourself, what do you think really is at the core of those issues there for not just maybe even writers, but creative types in general. Mm, yes. I'm glad you put it that way, actually, because I think, um, uh, you know, the, the form of the creativity is less important than just the drive to um, express oneself and also a kind of internal sense that other people need this too, like whatever it is that you're going to write or even, you know, paint or create, uh, you know, with, with music, somehow there's uh, another person out there or many, many other people that um, feel the same as you and that uh, will, will feel more connected if you put out, um, you know, this, this piece of art, this piece of creativity. Um, but I would say in terms of what is, what is at the core of, you know, most writers' issues, I, I think... Um, you know, it's just insecurity. It's just uh, this constant voice um, saying, uh, uh, you know, is this good enough? Um, are people going to laugh at me? Am I being a fool even trying this? I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of what comes up in meditation, I think, for anybody, um, you know, whether someone's a, a writer or creator or not. It's just those, those negative uh, voices that want to just shut down the process and kind of say, you know what, um, you shouldn't even be doing this, why try? And, um, you know, those voices are a bummer. But yet, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you yep. know, since, um, I mean, come on, people. <laughs> they are not fun. Um, but yet, you know, since... Um, since I started uh, this journey, I guess uh, along the way, I also became a parent. I have a, a wonderful almost nine-year-old daughter. And um, I think being around more children has, has helped me to see that, okay, like on the um, easier side, like let's say you're feeling expansive. So even if you're having a hard time, you know, you've got these voices in, in your head. Um, uh, if, if a voice in your head kind of says, I don't know, I'm scared, this is so hard. You know, one thing that one can do is um, sort of speak, engage with that voice the way you would to your child or your niece or your nephew or your friend's kid, you know, um, and just kind of say, uh, uh, it, it, it's okay. Like, what do you tell me what's going on? What do you need right now? Um, everything's fine. Like I'm here for you. So in other words, just be nurturing 
whispering and connect emotionally and just let that child's voice be heard. Um, and you don't really have to do anything to solve any problems. You just have to make that child, that, that child voice feel like, okay, you're being heard and um, you've got an ally. The harder part is kind of those like, you know, more uh, aggressive, stubborn voices, which could be likened to, you know, just like us as adults, you know, every kid is a different type of person and has a good day, a bad day, a good moment, a bad moment. So what's hard, I think, is engaging with those bummer voices, like, oh, this is never going to work. And um, and even if, if uh, like, let's say like a kid, if a kid is just saying mean things and, and you know, just, you know, being a little bit, uh, you know, destructive, like uh, emotionally, um, it's very hard. But if one cannot be reactive and just say, okay, I hear you, you know, and like, I'm real too, and kind of connect to the part of oneself that's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm not always being my most perfect self okay, sabotaging my writing voice. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what is it that, that's really bothering you? What is it that you need to say? And that actually, I think, is where some of the excitement comes in. Mm -hmm. Like those, those quote-unquote negative voices, you know, sometimes are really ahead of their time and interesting and fascinating, and they're not out to destroy your life, your writing practice or anything, but they just want to be heard. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that you said engagement with those voices and mm -hmm. so many strains of mindfulness that I hear in what you're talking about. And clearly, I've, I've seen that in, in your process. I mean, even so much as you do guided meditations on, mm -hmm. on these uh, coaching calls with me, and I would imagine uh, with uh, your other clients as well. So I'm really curious about that process mm -hmm. for you, Jill, because it seems unique as a writing coach to integrate mm -hmm. that. Can you mm -hmm. tell us about how that intersection works for you and, and make perhaps how that started? Mm, sure. Um, well, I, I think, um, you know, a big part of uh, uh, the, the writing process has to do with connecting to oneself and shutting out a lot of the external noise, which has only gotten louder, like as, you know, since 2003, when I started, obviously, the world has gotten noisier and busier and more people are more overloaded. But connecting to oneself and focusing are very key. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in, actually, in, in my work, uh, you know, but my other work that I'd been doing sort of concurrently, uh, as I guess what's now called an intuitive, I don't quite know what to call myself. I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've been a practicing like uh, astrologer for decades and I, um, you know, I, I guess do a lot of um, psychic work and uh, things along those lines. And I remember just from that work, uh, I, I know that there's basically just a, a little uh, trick one can use um, to kind of tap into oneself and, and one's intuitive voices, which is light a candle. Um, take some deep breaths to calm the body and the mind, uh, and then just sort of breathe and stare into the candle. It's really just like, almost like, the, like a self-hypnosis process, just having a focal point. Um, and then I found as, as time, so I would bring that kind of into my workshops. We'd start officially by, you know, uh, setting a timer, you know, like if the, if the workshop was supposed to start at 7 p.m., We'd start at 7 p.m. sharp because I think uh, there's something to ritual that's very important. <laughs> um, but uh, also there's something just on the meat and potatoes level of writing that, uh, you know, you've got to show up to it like a, a job. So it's sort of like killing two birds with one stone. But, um, yeah, I would, I would light a candle. We would do this little practice and then, you know, really begin to, to tap in. Now, you know, as, as time has gone on, like most things, you know, I, I find, I mean, actually what's been, actually I, I, sh I should say it with more excitement because it really does excite me. What's so thrilling is that as time has gone on, I've seen the bells and whistles 
and it's funny, I don't know if you could hear it, but there's a, 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 train, wh- a train whistle a-blowing. You know, <laughs> I, I, I recently, um, I, I'm sort of, uh, I, I've, I've always lived in New York City my whole life, but now I'm also sort of duly based in upstate New York and Hudson, New York. So that's where I am right now. And um, yeah, that's the Hudson train whistle a-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I found that um, as time goes on, we need fewer and fewer bells and whistles. So in other okay. words, you don't need to light a candle. You don't need right. um, to have any externals. It all really happens um, within the mind. And that's where you know meditation, I feel like, is such uh, a key um, to, to the writing process. Yeah. So I'm curious about your some of your clients that are new to meditation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, they're coming to you ostensibly for writing and then mm-hmm. here you are sort of bringing in these different elements what's that mm-hmm. been like for people and i'm sure everybody's different but does any person um, stand out for you that uh an experience perhaps in in that uh integrating those two worlds well I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that, uh, I mean, I have all clients of all stripes, every type of person you can imagine, and um, not one has shown any resistance to the meditation process. That's awesome. Um, because I think, yeah, because I think in a way, first of all, I think it's more normalized in our world, you know, in the, in the 21st century, but, but also, um, you know, I, I, it's like breathing. I mean, meditation is very connected to breathing mm-hmm. and to the body mm-hmm. and we all breathe and we all have bodies. And so I think it's just, it's so natural. Um, you know, something uh, that, that stands out to me uh, that I think also connects to, um, you know, the, the, the work that we do together is I remember I was doing a workshop in Brooklyn with with a regular group that uh, I met with um, a few years back, and I I think my goal or intention with that particular workshop was to help build people's confidence, and that has nothing to do with like an, uh, uh, me or any other person saying, "Oh, this is great," or "You can do it." It really has to come from within. You know, it's it's like Casey at the bat. You know that that baseball poem. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're there. You know, we all are. As much as we all are connected, we all are also singular individuals and are alone. And um, so the inner voice, you know, has to say you can do this. So mm-hmm. so how does one get there? So I I remember a particular experience with with one gentleman within this uh, this workshop. So I basically kind of led. Um, uh, the, the workshop participants in a guided meditation, just sort of imagining um, uh, that they're going down a path and there are certain markers I led them through and that ultimately where they arrived was the place they would really like to be with with their writing. And I just had folks imagine some scene, um, I guess I guess it's what's now called sort of aspirational um, you know, to some sort of scene of whether they're speaking at the podium, you know, reading their story aloud to an audience full of people, or they're meeting with an agent, or they're just sitting in their ideal spot in the world, you know, looking over what they've written. And, and even if they don't want to show it to anybody, they just feel so connected to themselves, so peaceful, so happy. So, you know, we th- this meditation went on for a bit, and then afterwards, you know, as I try to gently bring everyone out, um, one of my clients who, like, like many, 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 many clients uh, I have, uh, he had a, a full-time job. He had um, a wife and, and two kids, bills to pay, um, you know, all the same um, uh, stresses and worries, but also you know, wonderful things in, in life that, that, that many people have. Um, but writing was his, um, his, his love. And like many people, um, you know, he sometimes had to put it on the back burner or felt he had to put it on the back burner um, because of all his other responsibilities. So I remember he said, 
wow, I, I wish I could live in that space um, forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I thought, you know what? That's um, the key. That's that's really the key for mm -hmm. most of us. It's like let, let me put you this way: you and I are talking. It's the end of August. It's a back to school time, you know, for for most people. And even if you don't have to go back to school, or you don't have a kid who has to go back to school, I think it's still ingrained in us. Like mm -hmm. after Labor Day, mm -hmm. real life begins, and there is a <laughs> shift. Um, and I think many people understand that feeling of wow, I had a great vacation, uh-oh, now it's back to real life. But how can I take you know, that relaxed feeling of vacation mm -hmm. into my real life? And often in the beginning, you know, we try and then it sort of falls off because I think we keep having to come back to it. Anyway, um, I think what my client said uh, about wishing he could feel this way every, way, every day, um, all the time, forever, has a lot to do with... Um, taking that feeling of like be connected to our true selves. Maybe this, the self we are on vacation, the self we are when we just relax um, uh, and, and bringing that into every moment of our lives. And I think that's what um, meditation is about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, what's key to writing too. Um, so I think just what I offer is a lot of, um, I guess in terms of meditation and connecting to oneself and in terms of writing, a lot of suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm, <laughs> um, so the worries of like, well, what if I can't, I don't know. It's just to kind of say, well, let's in this moment, let's just try this. And, you know, let's say like my client sessions are generally 45 minutes or when we do a workshop could be two hours or maybe it's an all day workshop, but it's a set, you know, bite size amount of time. And I think most people, go with, you know, intuitively get, okay, I can do this for a minute. I can do this for an hour or a day. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a suspension of disbelief in terms of like, what's the point of this? Da, da, da. You know, you've already probably committed to the 45 minutes, so why not just jump in? Um, and then I think the other part, which also is connected to the meditation process, is um, uh, an awareness of time and structure, um, like even, like let's say I do transcendental meditation. Uh, the gist of that is 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. So it's kind of a set time. Uh, I don't believe in things being rigid, but I do think people like to have a sense of how long are we going to be doing this for, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I just think those two things, sort of like the metaphysical and the physical coming together. I think that's the sweet spot that I find really works and that I is really sort of at the heart of what I feel really passionate about in my work and in my life and everything. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you're you're so gifted at that and it it really does make so much sense as I, I think about you as a whole person and your background with uh, your intuitive work and your astrology work and all of that coming in to play a role in the coaching wor work you're doing. And it's, it's the most integrated oh. feeling. It, it, it's, it's, you're bringing that to the, the client. And then in turn, you're, you're almost inviting the client to do the same. How can exactly. the client, yeah, it's like, how can the client become the most integrated whole person as they go through this experience of sharing, writing, um, and and I love what you said mm -hmm. the very, very, very beginning of our t of our time to today, which was that other people need this. That in a way, mm -hmm. it's like it's really not about you. In a way, mm -hmm. it's it's yes. like when you can like cross over that little insecure place of oh my god, me, me, me. What if I look like a fool? Mm -hmm. It's like. Mm -hmm. there's there's something even beyond that if we can move through that but i think your process helps go through that journey a whole bunch faster than piecemeal of say someone who's taking a different approach to those insecurities i think mm -hmm. you're helping cut through a lot mm -hmm. faster because i think personally obviously meditation mm -hmm. will do that faster than anything you get mm -hmm. more clarity quicker um, you can take a quantum leap 
a lot faster, which is what I heard you saying uh, with the example with the workshop, which Mm. also reminds me a little bit of something you and I have talked about a little bit before, which is shape shifting. And I don't know if you want to share a little bit about what that Mm. means, maybe define that for any listeners out there and your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I I think, um, uh, I guess one key experience I had that sort of nailed in my mind, like kind of solidified. So it wasn't so, vague or amorphous uh that that helped me sort of understand well what what is shape-shifting what 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 is this number one (laughs) and and, (laughs) what is this mysterious thing yes excuse me (laughs) universe (laughs) show me and the universe did Um, (laughs) as you know i think um you know the universe is is a very generous uh, entity, and um, I think was very generous with with me. And so I try and pay, pay it forward by sharing it with others. And since I work with writers, you know those those are the key folks that I think I've been uh, you know kind of fated to um, you know, have the privilege of, of working with. But I had an experience um, working with uh, uh, a Reiki practitioner. Um, and uh, while I was, uh, you know, getting, you know, basically a massage and Reiki, you know, just um, uh, just really some relaxation and, and body work. Um, while we were doing this this process, uh, it just sort of happened naturally that she um, asked me some, I guess, what would be called shamanistic. Uh, questions and sort of led me on a sort of guided uh, shamanistic journey. But what's what's so interesting is just like the work that I do with writers, uh, when it comes to meditative stuff and metaphysical stuff, you know, what can I say? I uh, if, <laughs> if I had the, the time and the money and the inclination, who knows, maybe I would be journey, journeying to, uh, you know, uh, Peru, you know, the, the Amazon to... Um, you know, take all kinds of substances and go on all sorts of, um, you know, wild journeys. But I think that's not really where I'm at, at this exact moment in my life. <laughs> and, and I don't really... That train has it. left the station. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure that train's going to come back, but it's just like, I have to say, I find it so cool and so fun. And this is what is so amazing and so exciting to me about you know, all things connected to the meditative world. I, everything can be done within the mind without it being like, I think when people think of more metaphysical things, it seems more woo woo or more like, Oh my God, you'd have to go through this, you know, wild, dark or foreign process. It's really not. So with my, the shape-shifting experience that I'll share, it was something like this. Um, you know, I was asked to just, um, you know, with, with my eyes closed, just tune in more to my body, to my heart chakra, um, uh, you know, to my heart, and just, uh, you know, see if I could imagine a place in nature that felt like a very sacred, special place for me. And just like anything in, in, this, in the realm of meditation or anything metaphysical, uh, it's not like, okay, there's this set place, you know, like, in Maui that I always have to go to. That's my sacred place. It's like, it's, it's um, spontaneous, whatever happens in that moment, that's what it is. So, you know, an image came to me of of a place. And then um, I did have, um, you know, that this, this very lovely experience of just tuning in more deeply to, um, to my body, to nature, even though this was all taking place, you know, on, in Brooklyn, (laughs) you know, with uh, (laughs) the horns honking outside, didn't matter. Um, and then, uh, you know, like, like many people, I, I do feel, um, very connected to, to the animal world. Um, and, uh, um, I was asked to, to imagine if there was any animal that wanted to come speak to me. Uh, and in my case, the animal that came, uh, was a koala (laughs) and, um, what can I say? Who doesn't want a koala? <laughs> so, so um, and it's funny because, like a lot of people, you know, uh, we, we might have certain animals that we're 
personally compared to or that we personally connect to. I think for a long time I felt like I'm like an otter. I swim with my head above the water. I'm playful. I'm an otter, uh, you know, just uh, in a kind of joking way. But <laughs> having this koala show up, it had a very visceral feeling for me. And, and keep in mind, I was fully aware. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm lying on a table. There's nothing um, particularly spooky about this. Um, so I was aware of what's what's going on. But um, but I did feel like, yeah, I could visualize the koala. I could visualize the koala holding me and all the different things, you know, my practitioner kind of asked me to, to visualize. Um, and I just felt a very clear connection with this being, this koala energy that had to do with being very still, you know, that koalas make very few moves and that people come to them because they seem very wise, but also very cuddly <laughs> and also, you know, very uh, yes. approachable. And, you know, just so I just kind of connected to that part of myself. And I got she asked me to kind of engage with it and see if I got any messages. And, you know, I did some some cool things happened. But again, I was fully aware it was just a little bit of sort of self hypnosis again um just suspending disbelief and just going with the flow of what comes up which i think is often just what the meditative process is like so in terms of shape shifting specifically with writers i've like most things like whatever i find in my world that works i like to bring it into uh you know to to work with with my clients if i think it'll it'll help them and so you know oftentimes like we'll just uh go down that path of just seeing if uh, trying to get uh, a person, the writer, sort of connected to nature, which is, you know, Mother Earth, uh, connected with Mother Earth, even if you're sitting in an office, like on a, on a Skype phone call, still in your mind, you could connect to Mother Earth, and that's going to help you connect more to yourself. And then, you know, the animal world is a lot more based on instinct and intuition, which are huge helps. Uh, to, to the writer. So, you know, I'll just sort of take folks on a little bit of uh, a journey to uh, see what animal connects to them in that moment, what messages come. And um, I think like everything related to meditation and to the writing process, to teaching, um, you know, to anything, I think um, playfulness is the key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like when I say suspending disbelief, to put it even more simply, what does that mean? Just being open to playing. Like when we're kids, you know, we suddenly are, are playing, uh, okay, um, you know, here I am uh, outside. We're going to play that we're um, a fish uh, underwater and I'm going to be uh, a goldfish and you're going to be a shark and you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And we just go with it. And it's not like we're hallucinating, you know, thinking, oh, you know, like we don't understand, you know, quote unquote reality, but we're playing and um, it's just very liberating. And the greatest things happen then. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, uh, kids are very willing to just form friendships by just like, Hey, you want to play and just playing with another kid. And then the connection forms, you know, from that, from not like when we become adults and we sort of do a little interview process and, and uh, (laughs) a checklist of, you know uh, it's like, we're just being and, and playing. And I think playing is really just relaxing, and that's what connects everything. Yes. And uh, if, if, and as a writing coach, I would say the number one thing a, a person has to deal with—that's not—that's um, an ongoing process. Every moment, you know, uh, is tuning into themselves in order to be able to relax. So if there's some barrier to feeling, ah. Okay, I feel relaxed. <laughs> um, that's what has to be uh, addressed. Um, yes, 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 yeah. yes. And, and that's where I, th- I think our work really intersects. Oh, one hundred percent. And you know, I think creativity is is key in that whole playful place. Again, so whether mm-hmm. it's writing for any listeners out there that are like, okay, well, I'm not a writer, and I have no intention of being a writer. Mm-hmm. I think everyone. Well, okay. This is actually a good question for you, Jill. Mm. My, my, what I was about to say was, I think everybody has some kind of creative part of them and whether that manifests in um, how they approach 
being a parent or how they cook or, you know, I think creativity can be really, really broadly defined, but every now and again, really, I do hear people say I'm not creative. And mm. I really, I, I always take them to task on that because I, mm. I believe that, that there is something in everybody. It's just, we have to redefine what that looks like, but what's your sense of that? Um, what, what a great question or, or thing to explore. Um, I mean, my my first thought is, you know, because I'm sure I've also heard people say, well, I'm just not creative. Um, it, it might be just to say, well, that's fine. Do, do you want to try this? You know, whatever this is. And, you know, it's, it's essentially like, um, yeah, let's just play some little game for one minute. You know, like close your eyes, breathe. Um, what image pops into your head? Something is going to pop in. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's creativity, you know? And yeah. I think, uh, you know, so I think, you know, one, I certainly don't want to push anyone into doing anything they don't want to do or defining themselves in some way they don't want to define themselves. It's like everybody's got their own road and, and way of doing things. Um, but I do think, yes, absolutely, we're all, you know, and I think all sentient beings are, are creative. And I think, um, what does that mean? I, you know, maybe that's something, uh, you know, we could talk about a bit is, um, or I'm curious about on, on your end, is, um, you know, we, we often use this phrase about co-creating uh, mm -hmm. with the universe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I think uh, it would actually be helpful to me because I think I could share it with my writer folks a lot more succinctly if maybe you could sort of put your spin on what, what does, what does that mean? And then, you know, we could sort of talk about how it relates to writing, but mm -hmm. how do you sort of nail, what does that mean? You know, we, we co-create with the universe. How do you define that? Ooh, I love how you just turned the tables, didn't you? Jill? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, but I, I do think it's a great, a great question. And certainly I'm curious about your take on it as well, but you know, what, what my sense of that is, a lot of actually what you've been talking about today, which once we get still enough to listen, we can tap into something perhaps bigger than the egoic self. Mm. And that can be defined any way you want. Now, for some people, that's Jesus. For some people, mm -hmm. that's God. Some people, that's the universe. Some people, that's just love. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it can be anything. But whatever that is to the person, I think that's, that's the other partner. That's, that's mm. the main partner there. And let's not forget that we are a mind, a body, and I'll say spirit, right? Whatever mm -hmm. that you want to define spirit. But in, if we're integrated, if all three of those parts are mm. interweaving, and for, for me, I think leading with spirit is key to the co-creation process. Because mm. when, when the egoic mind is leading, sometimes spirit gets drowned out. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. I think as far as the formula for, for me and what I've seen to work really, really well with the clients I've been working with is if you've got some connection to whatever spirit is, start there, start with the stillness, yes. start with that meditation process. And then you're, you're using your mind. You're, you're almost the partner with spirit. So spirit is, is cutting through a lot of the, the burden, the, the, yes. The well, the, the resistance. Right. Like, I, mean, uh, I, I think, um, I mean, what you're saying is, is so terrific. And it makes me think, uh, first of all, just so, something I, I, I want to make clear to listeners, uh, which is uh, like whether you work with me or you try this on your own, or how, however it comes out. Like in, in my practice as a writing coach, it's not like, let's say, if we have a 45 minute session we're spending 45 minutes meditating. It's actually generally like, you know, we'll chat a little bit um, and then, 
and often I'll, I'll say, okay, well, let, let's just, before we start, let's say a writing exercise, um, uh, or even if someone doesn't want to write on the fly, if they just want to sort of get into like, okay, like I'm having a problem, you know, with this character or, you know, they're writing a nonfiction piece. They're having problems sort of nailing their idea in the most clear fashion. I, I would most likely say, okay, let's, let's take a minute to just meditate. And often it is just one minute. Yeah. You know, no, sometimes you're, it's you're, more. You're, I mean, that is what is amazing is it's, um, it really, that minute is so well spent <laughs> that uh, then the other 44, you know, you can use your mind, you can use uh, the energy from your body, um, you know, you can use everything, but basically, again, uh, you're relaxed. And in terms of the, the, you know, what I think is so interesting, it's just like how our worlds intersect is, um, okay, so co-creating with the universe, what does that mean uh, for a writer? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously it doesn't mean, you know, just one thing, but I guess my take on it would, would be this, um, to maybe just think about, especially for folks who, you know, uh, may be, uh, just, just very, uh, of a cut to the chase kind of mentality. Like, you know, what does this do for me? I'm trying to write a book or I'm trying to write an article for a newspaper. How, how can I use this? You know, chop, chop. I think the idea is simple. Um, there, like I brought up in the beginning, there are other people out there whom you want to read, uh, this work, you know, most likely. And, um, you want to be able to do your part, which is get those words on paper, (laughs) um, get it into a, a form, um, and, uh, work with it, complete it, and then get it out there. And so the co-creation part, I think is, yes, there's stuff that's coming from you, um, that you have to tap into that's as, as clear and, and cogent and, and right for you as it can be. But in your mind, of course, like you have to leave room, you have to leave space, I guess what's called like an art and photography, like negative space. Um, you know, what's uh, seemingly blank, you know, what's not um, visible, you leave this, this space for the reader or if you're writing, you know, screenplays or plays like for the viewer. Um, uh you know whatever it is it's that that. it's that awareness that um you know we're we're not alone and what's interesting is i i can say this like um you know i think something i experience such as personally i mean i find uh like the most poignant for little me (laughs) you know just as a a fellow human is, you know, sometimes just feeling very lonesome, feeling like, wow, the writing process, it takes a lot of dedication and, and work and a lot of solitary time. And, um, you know, there's just something about trying to connect to one's real self. Um, and, and when it's not coming, you know, that it's, you know, I certainly feel like, oh, I, I wish, you know, someone were here, like, to, to, to help me, like, to, to be with me. and um, really it, it's like and sometimes you know i mean i do you know have folks that i write with and but it's not really that it's really more a feeling of on an existential level wanting to feel like i'm not the only one like i'm not the only one who has um this particular feeling so what's interesting is i think if there's just an awareness that however you define it if you're a very you know quote unquote spiritually minded person and you're totally down with this like yes there's an invisible force, whatever you call it, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, exists. And I'm co-creating, you know, with that, um, uh, you know, consciousness. Great. If you're very, you know, again, like meat and potatoes type person, you know, that's just not your thing. Think of your co-creator as the person you're writing for your ideal, um, reader or viewer. Like for instance, um, when I was first teaching at NYU, it was actually right. Uh, it was, it was during 9-11, you know, in, in New York City, 2001. And it was, you know, what a, a terrifying, destab- destabilizing time. And I remember uh, NYU had a little forum that they put together um, asking very accomplished writers to come in and speak about, uh, oh, and I was, now I teach in liberal studies, but at, the, at that time I taught in journalism. And um, they asked uh 
writers to come in and speak about the media's response to 9-11. And I remember Susan Sontag, um, uh, you know, great um, nonfiction and fiction author and very iconic writer uh, and person in, in, in the world. She came and she um, spoke to the students. And afterwards, she opened it up for a Q&A. And I remember this one student came forward and said into the microphone, just, just very simply, um, what inspires you when you sit down to write? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, what is, what a, and you know, Susan Sontag is, is a, I mean, she, she's deceased now, but she, she was a very, I think everyone would pretty much define her as a very intimidating figure, you know, brilliant, cerebral, I mean, and just sharp and, and tough. But, you know, this person, this, this kid asked this very simple question and she said, oh, you know, I'm so glad you asked. Um, when I sit down to write, she said, I often come back to the writers who inspired me when I was a child. Mm. Uh, she referenced William Blake, uh, the poet, you know, very meta- metaphysical poet, mm-hmm. and um, the great Russian writers, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy. And she said she just imagines them you know, with her as she's uh, you know, sitting and writing, and that she doesn't want to disappoint them. She wants to do the best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I thought that was very beautiful. So I think that's a way of co-creating too. Like, I don't know what her spiritual beliefs were. And I'm sure when she was thinking about William Blake and, and Dostoevsky, it's not like she's, again, it's not like you're hallucinating, like, oh, they're here in the room with me, you know, in, in some, you know, uh, science fiction-y way. It's just like, yeah, it's just conjuring up that feeling. <laughs> I love that you share this because actually I'm having a transformation occur right here, right now, uh, mm. in which I'm not surprised because you have <laughs> power to, to inspire me to, to push myself towards these things. So I'm really mm. seeing that my definition was pretty narrow, actually, is as, mm. as broad as I thought that it was. Mm. I find that what you're speaking about is much more inviting and mm. much more accessible because you know I said love and yeah that was sort of a, a good like blanket over everything honestly mm-hmm. but I love the you took some time and care to really expose where and how we can connect to that realizing that we're not alone and I love your story about that sort of mm. that that vision of a writer. I mean, we all see that vision of sort of tirelessly mm. working away hour by hour alone. And it's just sort of like, you can see that at some point it would be very understandable to lose a connection to something like mm. that because it is on the surface, such a solitary act, but reminding ourselves that we have access to so many ways to tap in. There is not yes. a way to tap in. Absolutely. And I, th- I think, um, uh, yeah, you know, it makes me think of um, also like, I, like I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard this and I certainly have too, even just like, like when I talk about anything meditation related to, to anybody, you know, some people meditate, they have some kind of practice or experience, so they get it, whatever it is for them, because, you know, meditation is as varied as, as anything else, like as cuisine, <laughs> you know, um, but I've often heard this question for folks, uh, you know, who haven't uh, had an experience or they feel like they haven't quite gotten meditation is they'll also say like, well, I'm just, I've tried it, but I, I can't do it or I'm yeah. just not good at it or I don't understand or it doesn't work for, you know, whatever. Um, so I think, um, you know, having uh, like a structure is, is so important. And um, I want to come back to that in terms of, meditation you know as, as we wind down but I also wanted to say I so the, the book that I wrote for writers um, I named it bang the keys uh, as in you know the old-fashioned typewriter you know with the sound of, of, of banging the keys um, and uh, I wanted like an easy way to um, <laughs> this is kind of funny I wanted an easy way to uh, for people to remember uh, a very finite amount of steps that they could use in every uh, part of their writing practice, any writing project, you know, everything. And (laughs) this is funny, I'm laughing because I'm remembering way back when you and I first became friends. I don't know if you, well, I know you remember this. I was on this kick, I don't know where it came from, but where I I wanted to um, 
uh, create like uh, um, uh, anagrams yes. for uh, for all my my friends. Yes, yes, name. share it. No, and you know what that is. Like for instance, I have to say with my name, Jill Dearman, you know, with a D E A R. Um, the only names I could come up with, you know, using all those letters to to transpose them into a new name, were very um, boring. Like. I remember one is like Dana J. Miller. You know, no offense to anyone out there named Dana J. Miller. I love the name Dana. I love the initial J. I love the name Miller. But it was like, you know, nothing that that thrilling. You know, I came up with other anagrams for people. What I would do if I had a friend whose name I couldn't quite use all the letters for is I would give them sort of something in the middle that's like had a quote unquote that was their nickname. So um, uh, I can't remember the whole of yours, but I know that uh, Carmel was your last name in, in uh, switching around uh, uh, the letters of your name. And Sassy, S-A-S-S-I, um, was the in quotes, you know, nickname. <laughs> so Which anyway. I love to this day. Love it. And can I just say that, boy, it really does fit. All you folks <laughs> listening out there, may feel like, you know, you're listening to a very sage person, which you are. And, you know, Melissa is also sassy and she is playful and fun and just, just uh, a, a silly wild person. But anyway, so, so I always, so anagrams, you know, they, they really work for me. They're fun. So what I came up with for buying the keys, and I guess um, uh, maybe this is more like an, uh, this is an acronym, uh, but um I thought of, okay, what are four steps that work for the writing practice under any circumstances? Um, What I uh, came to was something from, I guess, what you would call my spiritual or metaphysical interests, um, which was, you know, I was raised Jewish, but very agnostic Jewish, so I really didn't know much about my own religion, and I wasn't really interested as I grew up in organized religion. However, um, I became very interested in the mystical side of Judaism, which some people call Kabbalah. You know, uh, it's it's really all just sort of connected to that. The um, letters in the Hebrew uh, alphabet all have a primordial meaning. You know, beyond just um, a, a letter. So to, to kind of cut to the chase, something that anyone who studies Jewish mysticism or uh, you know Hebrew um, uh, comes to is that. Uh, there's one spelling uh, that people reference of the the letters of God, you know, whatever that is. And um, like the name of God, how is it spelled? And it's um, the letters Yud, He, Vav, and then a second He. So Yud, He, Vav, He. So um, I looked at those four letters and um, I thought, okay, Yud in in Hebrew, the, the meaning of it, is really just um, like uh, start, you know, just just get, you know, bing, press the button, get going. Mm. So, um, uh, so the first letter in for bang, bang the keys is begin. You know, it's B for begin. Um, the the second letter, uh, and I won't I won't go through the whole Hebrew thing, but the second letter in bang the keys, so you, you get sort of how this started. Second letter A is for okay, you've started, you know, you've come up with an idea, you've had the spark of inspiration, now arrange it. So Mm -hmm. the A is for arrange. So meaning find the form. Is it a screenplay? Is it a a nonfiction uh, journalism piece? Is it um, a novel, a short story, an essay? What is it? And then within that, how do you want to arrange it? Which comes in time? Like what's the structure you're going to, that the ideas are going to be contained within? Um, and then N is for nurture. You have to find some kind of connection where you keep nurturing this this idea, even when you're not in the mood. And I think it's very similar to like any relationship, mm-hmm. you know, you have a friendship, um, you know, like if, if you want it to grow deeper and deeper, you connect with that person in whatever form. You just keep the connection deepening and, and, and you, you keep that heart connection going. And then G, the final letter, and bang, is go. You know, you let it go mm-hmm. out into the universe. It's, it becomes a being of its own. Um, and then that's what's so interesting, so to sort of come back to this co-creation idea, is let's say you've, you've released that, that work into the world, um, or even if you haven't published it, you've just, it exists. You know, maybe two months later you meet someone who needs to read something like that, and you just give it to them. But now it's no longer yours. It's like a child you've given birth to. 
it exists um, on its own, which is so cool. And I think all this starts from connection to the self, which is um, you know really what meditation is all about: connecting to the self and connecting to the moment, which we need as writers, but more than that, we need as humans. <laughs> wow, Jill, this this is such an incredible way to end this mm. i mean i almost don't even yeah want to say anything about it because it's that's beautiful i love oh, thank you i had no idea that bang had that that deeper starting place for you so talk about mm. again co-creation on your mm. part but beautiful begin arrange nurture and go let it go and all of those steps so important and just beautiful i thank you you're such a special human being i am so grateful and i know that it was divine intervention that brought Uh us back together and Uh you're such a blessing in my life and i'm so grateful that you've taken the time today i know you have an extremely full schedule so I so very much appreciate your time sharing all of your koala wisdom with us today. <laughs> Thank and um, how about we end with uh, one last question? I tend to ask us a question like this to a lot of the guests. If you were listening to this before you really blossom into the writer and the healer, the intuitive that you are, maybe when you were a young youngster, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what would you have needed or wanted to hear today on the, on the podcast? Oh, what a beautiful question. I think um, uh, you're not alone. And um, uh, from whomever is speaking. So, uh, you know, in our case, you know, me and, and you uh, uh, just, I'm I'm here, Jill Dearman. <laughs> You're here, Melissa Marks, and there's so many other people who are here in this universe. You know, struggling, enjoying, loving, living. Um, so it's it's okay. You're not uh, alone. Mm, thank you, Jill. Yeah. I appreciate you so much. Oh, I appreciate you so much. And I promise and, I'll um, get my deliverable to you by Friday. Okay. <laughs> Oh, and you know, another thing that folks, uh, we, we haven't gotten to, but let's just say, um, uh, you know, I, I also uh, nag and nag and nag. And Girl, like, she ain't lying. <laughs> she ain't lying. <laughs> but um, you know, share um, with any folks who, you know, want to reach out to me. Oh, yes. Can we, can we end with, can you tell everyone how they could connect with you? Oh, sure. Um, so I have a website, which is uh, Dearman J-I-L-L-D, like David, E-A-R-M-A-N.com, jilldearman.com. Um, and, uh, you know, my email is on there, which is jilldearman at gmail.com. Folks can feel free to email me directly. I have a video on there that um, it's about nine minutes long or you can look on youtube and just uh look for bang the keys jill dearman um that kind of shows you know the, the a little bit of the visceral process of my thoughts and my actual working with writers but yeah i really um uh, <laughs> i really i i love connecting with writers uh with people who are on you know some sort of um exploratory journey in in their lives whether it's for you know one month uh, a year of a lifetime i just um you know it's it's a real kick for me so i would love i would love to hear from anyone who wants to to contact me and um and yeah and this is just like i can't thank you enough for inviting me on this is uh uh not surprisingly because you and i are uh when you and i are connected this has been just a ton of fun No doubt. Oh, thank you, my dear. Okay, (laughs) so bye for now, and I will talk to you later. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please subscribe, let me know what you think, and share this as you see fit. Stay tuned also for another guest and another take on the meditation experience. Till next time, love yourself and love others. Thank you.